This is a HeadGum Podcast. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, halflings. How are you doing? I hope you're having a very, very wonderful day. It's me, Jasper William Cartwright. Now, Yonati is just finishing up her short rest using some of those hit dice to regain some health, uh, as we all need to do from time to time. So I will be joined today by... Jeremy Cobb, but... Jackson Payne calls me, and I've been sitting on this one for months. Okay. Old Cobb. Yes! The funniest oh, guy oh, at the crib. Yes! Oh, yes! Yes, sir! Yes! Yes, yes. sir! Yes. yes! Keeping it light. Oh, love I that. I almost I'm said it company. one time because I was like, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. But I was like, but wait. What if it does? What if it does? And today it has. So <laughs> if you at home listening haven't guessed, uh, we actually have... A halfling uh, here, a true halfling here with us today. Uh, and not only mm. a halfling, uh, a storyboard artist for Big City Greens, a writer on Teen Titans Go, podcaster on What Should We Draw, co host of Drawfee. It's the incredible Caldwell Tanner. Ah! Oh my god! This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragons. <laughs> Full prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> this makes them even more black. something real big now. Hello! Ooh, wow. Yeah. That's too many people in the room with so you. Many I people. can see them all cheering and clapping. I know, we really should. Get them out yeah, of there. It's like, it's going to be terrible for the audio quality. Keep it down, guys. Please. Yeah. Please. I, I do fear that I may have started a super spreader event uh, in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate you taking that risk for me yeah. so that there can be a live studio audience for this podcast recording. That's that's very kind. You, that's very you, nice. You put that in the email to me. You said you wouldn't come on unless there was a live studio audience. Uh, that is... Yeah. In my rider, yeah. yes. Okay, cool. uh, I spent I thousands of dollars, yeah. tens of thousands, so ensuring much. not only transportation, but that we could vaccinate every, every single, single one person. of these people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really impressive. I really appreciate it. Um, you just get in touch with my agent and we'll see if we can recoup you some for amazing, that. Uh, amazing, amazing. Yeah, I, I thank you so much. Get some coupons for the merch store of NADPOD or something. That'd be great. <laughs> um, amazing. Thank you so much for joining us, Caldwell. Uh, before we get into it today, uh, we thought this mm. was like the perfect time to make a very exciting announcement, which is partly down to the amazing Caldwell Tanner. Uh, we, uh, as of today, I guess, are officially a part of of the HeadGum Podcast Network. Yeah, the crowd loves it. The crowd's going wild. They're holding up signs. When do they have time to make signs? No. Amazing. They just I had those out. made as well. Yeah. <laughs> I had those made and handed Pre-made. out to the best Jeremy. party. Well, you'll be receiving expenses for that as well. <laughs> of course. You've, you've gone above and beyond, and I'll do what I can. Um, but yeah, we are now going to be uh, on the same network as the awesome NADPod Um 
and uh, after some introductions uh, by Caldwell. So we're very appreciative to Caldwell. And uh, we are so excited to join the HeadGum family. This is going to be going to be awesome. Yeah. So stoked. It's great to have you. Yeah. Welcome aboard. Woohoo. Uh, so, yeah, that's very exciting. That's our uh, announcement out of the way. Now let's talk about you, Caldwell. That's what people are here for. That's what people want. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. It's the only reason they're listening to this episode. Um, maybe any episodes. <laughs> they just knew that there was a likelihood that you were going to come on at some point. You know, law of averages. Um, eventually, <laughs> eventually, that, that is why I listen to podcasts. <laughs> I just I, I I tune into I just pick a random podcast every week, and I'm like, there's a chance that Jennifer Lopez is going to be mm. a guest on this episode. Yeah, yeah. I just you know I pick a random celebrity every week, uh, and I pick a random podcast, <laughs> and I just try to like figure it out and see if it's going to work out in my favor. It hasn't mm. yet. Mm-hmm. Has not yet, but you know you got to keep put a looking. lot of hours into yeah. searching podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we wanted to chat with you, Caldwell, a little bit about you. Uh, we always ask an origin story. Um, I guess we could tweak Ooh. the origin story a little bit because I'd be very interested to hear your origin story as an artist as well. We don't just talk about D and D on this show. We also talk about pop culture, and I'm a massive fan of Teen Titans. So yes. yeah, just like how you started out as an artist, and then and then what drew you, I guess, into D and D was it like a lateral move? Like how did that go? Down? Of course. Um, I'd be happy to talk about it. So I guess um, my origin story uh, as an artist, I think it's actually pretty similar to my origin story as like a, a D&D player and, uh, and whatnot. It's just kind of a intense desire to uh, replicate the cool things I see. Um, <laughs> cool. So for, for art, uh, I remember I was like in the first or second grade um, and uh, that was when uh, Sonic the Hedgehog for the Sega Genesis came oh, out. Oh, yeah. Um, and it just, you know when you're a kid and something is, like, so cool and so um, foreign to, like, your existence mm-hmm. that it just breaks your brain yep. in a way? Yeah. And you can feel, like, at the time you don't know what it is, but, like, looking back, you're like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that just kind of ruined me. <laughs> <in a way. laughs> I've definitely yeah. been there. Definitely been there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I lost something to myself to that damn hog, and I never got it back. Um, <laughs> can't, he's too fast. You no, can't catch I think, him. <laughs> <laughs> I've got your soul. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what the rings are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, he's just collecting souls. He's <laughs> searching for the one that's got his my soul, soul. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And that's that's why the rings are hollow, because Sonic doesn't have a soul, because exactly. he's a, a, a fell beast. And that's why he uh, dies yeah. if he if he gets hit without any rings, because like he can't Damn. keep himself going without those without souls, souls to sustain him. Mm-hmm. Jeez, this is like there is he like there is those. a Dark Souls uh, a Sonic uh, Hedgehog crossover <laughs> that someone is now dreaming up because of this episode, and I don't Hogborn. think we've done a good thing there. Like Hogborn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fear the old hog. Wow. I, God, I would play a hogborn game. Are you kidding me? Dark Souls, but oh fast? <laughs> I've never played a Dark Souls game. I would buy a system so I, I could have, play hogborn. I have, and I tell you, I would not. I'm out. I'm checking out already of that game. Like, <laughs> Dark Souls, no, no, no. But you got to think about it, though, because, like, you're somersaulting all the time in that mm. game. That's just the spin dash attack. Yeah. yeah. Ma- just, like, bowling over skeletons. It would be a great time. Yeah. And well, Chaos is already um, kind of like an eldritch being. You know, the big gloopy, isn't his name Chaos? With all the Chaos yeah, animals from yeah. Sonic Adventure. Yeah, yeah he's mm-hmm. already that kind of like an enemy. So I think it could work. Yeah. 
Oh, it could easily okay, work. Okay, well, this, well, look, we're going to come off this podcast and go get to work on uh, making a video game, guys. So this has been real fun. Right. Uh, <laughs> this is the last episode of Three Black Hedgehogs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, first episode of Two Black Hedgehogs and a White Hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think we'd get more listeners, honestly. <laughs> I think you're on to something. Yeah, we're on to something. <laughs> but yes, I, I saw uh, Sonic the Hedgehog as a kid. In addition to that, I was super into um, the comics. I really loved like uh, newspaper comics, the funnies, as we in the biz call them. <laughs> From a young age, I started like replicating drawings and art I would see there. Like I just kind of fastidiously like practice drawing Sonic the Hedgehog's head like over and over again. Mm. I remember specifically in my second grade class, there was like a scrap paper bin. It was like if you wanted to just like some extra paper to like write notes or like to practice uh, your handwriting or something on, uh, you could use that. And I would just like bogart all the scrap paper so that I could, you know, like practice crafting this Sonic the Hedgehog and just perfecting the form of Sonic. So again, it was early on an experience of seeing something cool, being like, that's so cool. I want to be able to draw something like that. Uh, and then just practicing and and slowly learning how to draw that way. Um, and then with D&D, it was similar where uh, I like saw people playing it, like listened to podcasts. And I was like, oh, that's so fun. That's so cool. I want to be a part of that. And then Murph uh, asked me after we had been on a, a podcast called Aped Book Club together, asked mm-hmm. me if I wanted to do a D&D podcast. And I was like, yes, please. I've been waiting for mm-hmm. this. My ascension has begun. Uh, now I can truly embrace the halfling within. Uh, and then, yeah, like uh, my feet grew two sizes that day and the rest is history. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. That was beautiful. Uh, that was the rest is, is well you. documented history. You literally can go listen to it now. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I listened to the final episode of 8-Bit Book Club where you guys create like Jake's character on the show. That was so oh. cool. <laughs> I was like, because I listened to Nadpod up to that point, and then I went back and listened to that episode, and I was like, whoa, you can literally hear it. It's all coming together right here. It's all coming together. That's amazing. Uh, um, I do, man, it, it's very fun hearing people talk about, like, going from Nadpod to 8-Bit Book Club, because it's just like, uh, it's it's like you went through our house into our backyard, uh, and you just saw all the shit that we had, like, tossed out from the house. <laughs> It's just like, oh, that trampoline is not safe. I please do not jump on that trampoline. <laughs> I got tetanus, you but I really tetanus. enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I love that. Uh, we do we do a lot of um, a DM tips and player advice, and I wanted to jump in because I have been listening. I've been binging the hell out of Nadpod because Jeremy's been telling me for ages I needed to get involved, and I was like, I've listened to too many oh, actual plays you. already. Um, and then he was just like, just shut up and do it. And so I was like, okay, fine. I felt peer pressured enough to finally. Uh, start listening to it. I and sat on him and put the earbuds put in. Put the earbuds in, and uh, I've literally not stopped. <laughs> you got your audience to sit yes. on him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I hired some people to, Just come to hold Jasper him. in yeah. place and put the earbuds in. Uh, and I literally haven't stopped listening to Nadpod since. Like, they're, I'm currently listening to it right now. Like, I'm just... Uh, yeah. you, uh, you guys are in one ear. This is in the other ear. Um, there are perfect. currently six thugs just holding yeah. Jasper. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I sound so relaxed. I'm incredibly tense, and I want these people to leave my house. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we do... We do a lot of tips, and uh, and so I wanted I w- wanted to say to you that I feel so incredibly supported by you, Caldwell, with how chaotic oh. you are in the beginning <laughs> of Nadpod, because I finally was like, oh, there is someone else like me who just constantly is like, oh, but what about this? 
you know, and then it just <laughs> yeah. nearly always goes wrong. Or, <laughs> or there's something that ha- seemed to happen to me all the time, which is where I would get nat 20s to, like, wedgie someone, but it would come yep. to, like, initiative, and I'd get three on a row, and I'm on for my rogue, and I'd be like, well, what the, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> Jasper, we both have the scamps curse, and mm. we just have to embrace that and accept yep. it. You're gonna you're gonna roll an at twenty on the stupidest, stupidest shit imaginable, shit possible, possible. Mm-hmm. But when you throw d- like TNT like down at the mithril and it turns into a dragon, then it's like, oh yeah, that you roll an at twenty four. Okay, of course, of course, yeah, okay, uh-huh. uh, yeah, okay. But cool. but my uh, yeah, my character in our Wagadu campaign, the Coven the Caterpillar, is constantly trying these things, and as a consequence, lost his arms at one point. Like literally, just had them taken away. Uh, you know, so well, I fully his <laughs> arms and teeth magically yeah, taken just away, literally by magically a fish taken spirit. away because of a chaotic decision. <laughs> was, this, was this like a punishment? Was this just yes. like you don't get these anymore? Yeah, it was a punishment. <laughs> it was a punishment. I, 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 I now I'm facing going to bird court because um, I uh, tried to uh, fake an egg and got the wrong egg, and now the bird thinks I had a. A, 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 an egg with another bird. It's a whole thing. Uh, yeah. But it just, who among it us? Felt very, I felt very. <laughs> who heard. hasn't been there? Yeah, <laughs> I, I felt very heard by the the chaoticness of the beginning. And actually, that was kind of something I wanted to talk to you about because I thought it was it's so wonderful to hear you just like live in that chaos. And it works so well for Beverly's character, especially at the beginning. Um, and I just wanted yeah. to, to, to hear from you, like, what's it like managing that chaos as like a player and as like a DM? Because I guess it's a very different mm. thing when you suddenly have to like, oh, I have to keep the world together now. You know, like that's a real <laughs> different like, you know. Well, um, I think uh, early Beverly is is certainly a unique uh, firebrand of chaos, <laughs> uh, and I think it definitely you can kind of hear as the show goes on um, and the stakes get a little higher uh, that like things get a little less chaotic while still managing to be pretty chaotic. And I think like that was like a fun part of like Beverly's journey was like learning how to like use his chaos for good, I guess, as opposed to just like blasting it out uh, at all times in every direction. Mm. Um, but I do think that, like, you can kind of see, like, a switch that happens when I start uh, DMing where, like, I <laughs> try to figure out how to, like, you know, rein in the chaos and direct it a little more. Um, because I do think that, like, a and d campaign needs that chaos. Mm. Like, you're literally rolling dice. Like, it's an unpredictable game. And that's the fun of it. So, like, you have to uh, keep that in there somehow. Uh, but, yes, it's true. Like, the, the the big strategy for, like, maintaining that chaos and, like, knowing how to, like, use it and channel it uh, in a campaign is uh, something that I believe you mentioned before, Jasper, which is just, like, feeling supported. Mm. Like, knowing uh, what you can get away with, knowing, like, what the other players and the DM at your table are going to be into. Finding, like, pushing pushing on that a little <laughs> bit. Uh, like, you know, just, like, just touching the membrane, seeing how, if you can get your hand through. But, like, uh, kind of doing stuff that you know, like, everyone else is going to be okay with. And also, like, I think if you listen to early NADPOD as well, like, anytime I'm like, this is really dumb, should I do this? Yeah, everyone's like, yes. Uh, Emily or Jake will be like, absolutely, <laughs> yes. yes. What are, you, are you kidding me? Of course. And, uh, so, like, yeah, I think and that, that's a big part of it. It's great as well, because Murph will just go, fuck no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if it's too dumb, you go, no, no, absolutely not. Moving on, who's next in the initiative? Like, <laughs> And that's important. Yes. That is important. you know where that line is. You know where that line is. It's very clearly yeah. drawn in the sand by... <laughs> It's like what I've heard. Of, it's like what I've heard about like kid working with children. In that, children really prefer to know where the actual boundaries are. Like once they actually mm-hmm. know where the boundaries are, they feel much safer to go completely crazy because mm. they know just how far they can go. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like the DM becomes a parent in this case. Fully. Yes. Or a, a fish spirit that can take away your arms. Yes. Also that. Yes. <laughs> that exactly. And your teeth. Don't forget the teeth. The and teeth, teeth. The teeth yes. one as well. Don't forget. Oh, okay. The teeth yeah. one as well. Now, I, I would never forget the teeth. Uh, and then another spirit comes along and gives you a pair of antelope legs sticking out of your chest. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was also a thing. That was also a thing. <laughs> yeah. that, was a, that was actually a reward. That was a reward. Yes. That one. Uh, surprisingly. Can you... I got to catch up on, on uh, <laughs> Caterpillar and yeah. the Cub. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild ride, man. It's a yeah, wild ride. It goes ride, places. <laughs> We're only on episode can 10. Can you run on those? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I can cast he Expeditious can... Retreat with those. They actually That's... allow me to cast wow. that at will, which is pretty yeah. cool. So, uh, Do they, and um, you play Moody, right? Yes. I, oh, wow. Right He's, oh, okay. wow. Okay, cool. Nose and stars. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Do they retract like your wings down? Uh, uh, well, uh, spoilers for like the most recent episode. Yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no. They, they, they released like bend. it. Yeah, they kind of. For most of it, they just sort of bend. They just bend up. in. Yeah. And so they sort of sit there, oh. like a pair, like some folded up antelope legs, just on his chest. Yeah. And then he can okay. extend them to run. So if he wears something like baggy that covers it, you might just think he's got like a weirdly bulky chest. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. They do have opinions as well. Like, I, I feel like at times they have a real, you know, Jeremy will describe if I sort of say, like, oh, should I do this? Like, he'll just say, mm, the hoofs seem unsure. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a good way of Jeremy policing me in my chaotic nature. Just like, the hoofs. Those really aren't sure the, about this one. The hoofs are like, clop, clop, clop. <laughs> you know? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, clop twice for yes, yeah. three times for no. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's incredible. What a, like, what a, um, I'll give you props for that, Jeremy. That's such a fun way to like number one just claim a little bit of dm agency uh when you need to like guide the character a little bit but also like what a fun way to like incorporate chaos as we're talking about into like a character design and make it not feel like totally incongruous because like uh as like a a moth person Mm. i guess or like a person with like moth-like features like having those like extra those extra limbs that totally makes sense and having them fold in like that that like it doesn't seem weird to me. It doesn't seem weird. It seems perfect. It seems great. Yeah, it, and it, it's so useful. Like I'm a, I am a, uh, I have, a, I'm a sorcerer with an 11 AC. I need to be able to get away quickly. Like it's really important that I get away it is quickly. Absolutely you know? imperative that my re- retreat be e- expeditious. expeditious. Yes, exactly that. And exactly. I love the visual of just this poor, like skinny dude, fully horizontal, just flopping helplessly in the air while his pair of antelope legs just bound across the savanna. He's just, yeah. I'm just along for the ride. He's just, Mooty's just along for the ride. Like, <laughs> well, it actually made me think though of one thing that I've come up against in my campaigns. I don't know if either of you two have felt this. Like, there is there always comes a point where I'm embracing the chaos and embracing the chaos, and then I suddenly go, mm. "Oh, this is going to really impact like something in a like as in like they're either they're now going to be able to like kill this." you know, person who I need them to not kill or they're going to find out mm. a piece of information they really shouldn't. You know what I mean? So I do feel like there is a certain point where you do have to kind of go, whoa, whoa, boy, you know, and just <laughs> sort of, you know, uh, uh, throw in a bit of a deus ex something. Do you know what I mean? I think it's good. Mm. It's always good to have those like deus ex moments. Mm. I literally had to crash a skyship into a, into a, a like a woods to uh, which had planned but not for a few sessions but they were getting perilously close to finding something out and i was like yeah this yeah i'm just gonna let's go with this hey look over here that'll do it because <laughs> i need to save that npc because that is like the crux of the campaign and i really don't want to have to rewrite the whole thing <laughs> um but yeah i don't know if you either of you have ever felt like you've come perilously close to like 
mm. nearly ruining a campaign. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, I definitely have. <laughs> There's, it, it's usually when it comes to items. I think it's yeah. when you give them Ooh. items and you're like, this'll be fine. And then it occurs to you mm. somewhere along the line, like, oh no. Or you put somebody, I, what happened, I think I've talked about it on the show before. I had this really powerful guy show up and try and kidnap one of the party, thinking mm. that they would rebuff him. Either he would succeed or they would rebuff him and he would leave. Instead, one of them who had had their one of the PCs had had their brain eaten by an intellect devourer and so was being mind controlled and the intellect devourer saw this new guy and was like that's a stronger person than the guy I'm in now (laughs) and managed to knock out that guy eat his brain while the party ransacked him for all of his good items and he managed to like the the intellect devourer escape with the dude's body but now they had a cubic gate which allows you to like teleport across planes and wherever you want and they're like level five and it was like, oh no! And okay, no. please. And so okay. I basically i I was having to write insanely long sessions just as contingency plans in case they decided to teleport someplace mm. for like the the better part of like half an entire. It was like ten to fifteen sessions consecutively where I was just having to write these really long plans until I could come up oh, with God. a reason for another NPC to be like, hey, you know, you should probably give that to me. It might be dangerous. <laughs> and the whole time, I, I, thankfully, the player forgot they had it for like that long. Oh, no. So the whole time I'm like... It, That's almost yeah, worse. Yeah, That's the almost thing worse. is over the button and I don't know if they're going to press it and I don't even know if they're going to remember. So it's like, I oh, it was, it was brutal. Brutal. <laughs> It's that's so that's like giving the cast of Friends a spaceship. It's just yeah. like they could go to the moon if they wanted to. But like, are they going to just go to their jobs and hang out in the coffee shop? Or are they going to go to the moon? They could go to the moon at any time. This is terrifying. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, Caldwell, I, I actually wanted to mention, speaking of yeah. uh, harnessing chaos in in the Trinivale campaign, I was Ooh. really fascinated by the way that you would like incorporate the jokes and stuff that people would come up with and just be like, cool, this is part of the campaign now. I created actual mechanics now your trinstagram will now officially like affect the, the way your character goes or you now have like you're a jam uh you're a jam ranger now <laughs> or, like, oh. and, and uh the and the, like the, even the bbs the bbs and the parasites uh all of these are like completely disjointed spoilers for the trinivale campaign oh yes yeah so i guess to. if you're uh yeah uh spoilers for the trinivale campaign but um yeah i i think it was this was uh my first time dming was uh running the the trinivale campaign so and you can kind of like if you listen through, you can see me kind of gaining a little more confidence as a DM as it goes on. Uh, but yeah, I think like one of the big things I wanted to try out was like, okay, how can I like give the characters items that feel like significant to them and like give them power, but also, you know, are like personal and, and kind of give them more agency over the world. Uh, so like with Onyx, like she kind of joked a lot about like becoming like a social media influencer. So I was just like, okay, well like what if that's like where your power comes from? Like what if like you are trying to get away from this uh, like sorceress pact you've made uh, and you want to like find a different source of power. Uh, so like I invented this like Trinstagram mechanic where like she could basically cast spells and like use magic uh, unpredictably uh, via like social media. Uh, and then for um, Nyak, who is Jake's character, um, he kept just randomly slipping in jam. We made like one joke about it in the second episode. Uh, like he would just make like a bad dexterity roll, which is strange for him because he was a ranger. So his dexterity should have been good. But like for whatever reason, he was just like really unlucky around jam. So I, for reasons unknown still to this day, made an entire subclass for him <laughs> called the Jampion Ranger, 
which is just a very sticky Ranger. I think that one that one came out of the fact that like we were using the original uh, 5e Ranger rules, and they're oh. like they're good for like a campaign where you're dealing with like terrain and hunting mm. a lot, but for like an episodic kind of like one shot vibe campaign where every uh, new episode feels distinct. Uh, there wasn't a lot for him to use, so I kind of like wanted to beef him up. That actually loops around beautifully, Jeremy, to uh, the story you were telling before, because uh, I gave him all of these subclass features, and I believe one of them that I gave him was he could try and like get the enemy prone. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and if he failed, he could use a jam point, which is essentially like a key point for rangers. <laughs> he could use a jam point to like make it automatically succeed. Whoa. Um, which. I didn't think about it at the time. It meant that he could overrule legendary resistances, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> so yeah. there would be times when, like, Nyak, who started out as, like, one of the weakest uh, characters, could just, like, pin down a legendary boss <laughs> in Sticky Jam. Which, you know, like, sometimes you bite your own ass. Uh, yeah. And you know what? And it tastes like jam. You... And it tastes like yeah. jam. <laughs> Honestly, I think that is like a rite of passage for a DM because there is always a mm-hmm. moment as a DM who likes anyone who likes homebrewing. I feel like has had this experience where they go, "Man, why haven't Wizards of the Coast thought of this?" They have. It's just broken <laughs> and dumb. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. a reason why that doesn't exist. But the, trust me, someone along the line has thought of that exact feature and yeah. actively yeah. chose not to put it in. But you know what? It's a part of the. Like, you've got to go through that, right? Like, you've got to go through the moment of being like, "Oh shit!" You yeah, need to have the rubber banding of being, "I'm a genius." Yes. I'm an absolute fool. Oosh. Yeah, yeah. And the watermelon <laughs> explodes. <laughs> like yeah. when you put the, uh, the last rubber band on, and you're like, oh, "I've ruined my campaign." Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> I think I had a moment like that for each of the characters in Trinavale, which is very fun. Like, Jake's was um, with Nyak's ability to overturn legendary resistances. Um, Onyx, I think this was just, like, Emily being a very good D&D player, but, like, I gave them um, basically, like, two days to prepare for, like, this final battle that was happening, and Emily was like, okay, cool, I make a full simulacrum of myself, the spell takes 48 hours, you've given me just enough time, now we have an extra party member for this final battle. Oh, snap. Which, yep, you got to be careful about Ooh. how much time you give your players. <laughs> yeah, you gotta rush Especially when Emily Axford is playing. Yeah. Can we just talk yeah. for a moment about how good of a player Emily yeah, Axford it's, is? It is ridiculous. Anytime. Like, as well, because she hides it so well in, like, her players, like, uh, like her characters, like, you know, when, when she does Moonshine at the beginning, and obviously I can only speak for that and... I've watched some Fantasy High as well, but, like, she's like, oh, yeah, like, Moonshine just kind of does this because she happens to, like, fall over and just do this spell, and it wor- always works out to be so ridiculously effective. Like, mm-hmm. so ridiculously effective. I think it was the... Yeah. Was it the... It was the... I've just listened to the part where you, the, you, you guys fought the four elements, and Emily's like, oh, yeah, just before Ooh. we get into combat, I just cast these two support spells, and, like, uh, one of them, I think, gave Hard One, like, advantage on... It was something like advanced on attacks or something, and it was just broken because Harbon ended up doing like 40 points of damage around after that. It was so crazy. <laughs> and again, it was just such a like throwaway, like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna do this thing. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Murph. Don't worry about it. It's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. She's always really good at like building that into her character, too. Mm. It like never feels uh it never feels like disjointed with like what her character is doing or what her character wants. She's very good at like it never feels making a character. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's never. Well, I guess with what would the opposite of of metagaming be? It's just like uh, <laughs> uh, macro gaming. Yeah, perhaps. macro <laughs> macro gaming. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, yeah, like I wish there was more things I could say, but they're all spoilers. <laughs> like, yeah. but there's mm. so many moments where it's just like. Definitely. Wow. At one point, she yeah. did something that was such a good move that I, I pitched it to my own druid player. Thankfully, I was able to do it in such a way that she thought it was her own idea. But like, <laughs> it was such a good idea. I was like, I would be remiss if I did not pass this on to this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah sometimes Emily will make a move so good, you got to like take a lap. You yeah. got to just like <laughs> stand up from the table and be like, Wow. Yeah. God damn, that's great. I really feel like at the beginning of Nadpod, like you and Jake would have been rolling several new characters if it wasn't for Emily being there. Like, <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> it actually goes to show, like, there's like the one time that you guys split up, like, Hard One very nearly just straight dice, like, so close. <laughs> Was that when he fights the bullywug, like, one no, on one? Well, well, he goes, he, he, run, he runs off in the, well, he actually, yeah, he goes down in that exact instance as well and then is saved by an NPC, but he also runs off of, uh, on, onto the ship. Uh, like him and Cobb just run off and just get absolutely destroyed by the people on the ship. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. These are all very recent yep. memories for me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been listening to this. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> no, that's great. It's it's like very fun. Um, I don't know, like because we're making the show and just continue to make it, it's always fun to remember like, oh, yeah, there's just like 100 episodes like crystallized in amber for people to enjoy and discover. Mm. So like it always tickles my heart uh to hear that people are like just now finding the show or just now listening so like yeah this is this is great it's it's like it's like you're telling me about um a past life that i lived but i don't remember <laughs> yeah 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 uh well if you're a fan of that then make sure you stick around until the end of the episode where we're gonna be doing a little fun uh segment or a bit of a fun segment with uh with jeremy and Caldwell here which is gonna be looking back on some early nad pod i'm very excited it's Ooh, gonna be very fun. i'm it's very excited very fun. uh for people to see how bad my memory is <laughs> <laughs> and how good jeremy jeremy's memory is like it is encyclopedic it's it's crazy mm. um we'll see that up now and so a lot of nad pod in between now and 2009 <laughs> early 2019 yeah like, some things have happened it's true yeah. some things have changed uh actually jeremy you had a question about uh fan art. is that right yeah this was an interesting trend because i was looking up you know uh this was a while ago i think i was just looking at pictures of the characters uh the original band of boobs and <laughs> i noticed that a lot of the fan art depicts beverly as having like brown skin uh and i was like did he, was he described as that? And then I, I don't think you were described in that way, but it was a really interesting thing. Cause I don't normally see that with characters, essentially people, uh, just deciding the race, which I thought was really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. I guess I, my question would be, have you noticed that trend in the fan art as well? Uh, and yeah, how, how do you feel about that as the guy who plays the character or played the character? So I guess like I'm, I have definitely noticed it. Um, and it's it's awesome. It's like really cool seeing kind of like the collective uh, conscious or unconscious rather like decide on something like that and kind of glom onto an idea and like evolve it. Because like I think, you know, um, I fully believe in uh, the uh, statutes of limitations and like, you know, characters <laughs> like returning to the public domain and things like that. So like I, I do know that like to an extent like we're only borrowing these characters in some ways like we're creating mm. them but like they're living full time in other people's heads mm. Mm. Um, and that's awesome that's like so flattering so uh, yeah I think that like you kind of have to go with like what the audience 
the direction they take it a little bit. Um, it was mm-hmm. definitely like a little, uh, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but it was definitely like strange for me where it's just like, mm-hmm. huh, like this isn't um, what I thought, but I'm like glad that they're taking this direction. But also like, I don't want to like seem like I'm presenting Beverly in that way. Uh, like, cause that, mm-hmm. that's not an experience I have. That's not like something I can fully bring to the table as like, you know, uh, presenting someone as like a, you know, playing, playing a darker skin character. That's like not an experience I have mm-hmm. or nor, nor something I would want to like try to perform as. So it was definitely like a weird mental space, but um, I don't know. I guess like I just tried to stay uh, sincere to who Beverly was uh, uh, and like, just let that influence the, the audience. And like, hopefully, hopefully I did. Okay. I guess that's the real <laughs> lesson here is like, I, I'm just trying to do my best, and if I fucked up, just let me know. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was great, man. I loved it. I I just thought it was like a really cool thing because I hadn't thought of him that way either. But when I started to see the fan art, it was like, oh, that's a really cool way. I guess, yeah, why not? Like, no one else. Hell yeah, why not? There's like no racial coding in any of the show, so anybody can look like Mm -hmm. anything. It was really cool. And that um, that is also something we like try to do. I can say like me specifically, uh, and I think the other players as well, like try to when describing the characters, like describe some details, but like leave things a little nebulous so that like players or um, uh, the audience can like fill in the gaps a little bit, Mm. Um, which I think is like, I think it's good because, you know, like you don't want things to be too concrete for an audio show. Like you Mm. want people, at least like I enjoy that aspect of when I listen to a podcast, being able to kind of like visualize like how things look uh, in my own way. Like, Mm. you know, normally in my head, it's like, um, very anime uh, and yes. stupid, but like some people, it might be you know like a, a nice like live action CW drama. So like it, it gives them the gives them the 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 tools that they need to like uh, visualize their own adventure. Mm. Is that why you use uh, they them pronouns for pretty much all the NPCs in Trini Vale? Um, oh, that's that's a good question. That is another thing where it's just like uh, I can't take any credit for like being uh, super like forward thinking progressive. That was mostly me. Uh, being flustered when trying to come up with NPCs. Uh, initially, that's what it was. Uh, I, you know, I would have like a room of like four guards that were attacking the players, uh, and I like hadn't come up with anything beyond just the fact that they're a guard. So I would just use like they them, and then let the players kind of decide, you know, further aspects of them. Mm. So I kind of like, and that 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 might be. If you're uh, like a new DM, that is kind of a helpful tip is just to like, let the players decide things that you don't know. Yeah, like yeah, if you, yeah. if it's not important, just like let them fill in the, the mm-hmm. blanks there. But um, I don't know, you know, continuing on my, my personal journey through DMing, I think I realized like, oh, like this is like something people are responding to. This is like something I hadn't thought enough about, but it's like, that's good. Yes. And like, this should reflect the natural world uh, and mm. almost like reflect it, uh, even like refract it and like you know, focus it a little more because that's the power of fantasy. Um, so yeah, I, I started like including it a little more frequently uh, and like kind of defaulting to it uh, just like both as a tool for the players to fill in, in uh, story details, but also just as a way to like highlight, you know, that there are, you know, different, that the gender is fluid and uh, there's like a spectrum of it. So, and I thought that was important. And eventually like one of the uh, bigger characters did end up like being actually non-binary. And that was like just kind of a fun little uh, accident that came about just by trying to um, evolve uh, and and grow as as I played. And I think that like D&D is, can be very good for that. It can be very good for like self-reflection and like trying to uh, expand your, your personal 
uh, you know, just thoughts and preferences and understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's actually really funny about the, just going back to the, uh, the comment about uh, the way people see things and almost like, uh, like, pe- like enjoying people kind of claiming that um, almost like imaginary space for themselves. It really reminds me of when I was a kid. I, unless like race was specifically mentioned, like I think in my head, like Harry Potter was always black because in my head I would read a book and I would want to imagine myself in that situation. Do you know what I mean? And so if there's always yeah. been a particular character that I've I've been drawn to, I would then basically almost imagine that character then looking like me or being very similar mm. to me at least, you know, or having more in common with me than just, say, a white person. So I wonder whether, you know... And I think ultimately that's testament to storytelling as well. Like I don't think that's just down mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, because I think there are very there are some stories which you'd find it harder to do than others. And so, like, I think yeah, if anything, it's a compliment to the way you guys play that game that the fans feel free enough. Do you know what I mean? And and like and uh, and and feel like they have an ownership over the thing that you've created, which I think all fans should do. And I you know I'd, I'd hope that fans would do the same with this show um, yeah. to dream into the the world and to dream into this thing and and. Hell yeah, see yourself as, you know, Beverly or, or, or Moonshine or whoever it is. Do you know what I mean? I think that's a I think that's a really lovely thing. A really, really lovely thing. Fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a it's a fun dance. It's like a fun kind of like um two step to do with with the audience. Just to like that find that like mental cohesion uh where like everything is is reflective in that way. Mm. Um I had a similar experience with Sonic where like I pictured uh my face on Tails' body, uh, and I would I be was flying Tails behind too. Sonic. I was oh, so Tails awesome. too. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, genuinely, I love Tails so much. I remember, <laughs> fuck, I love Tails. It's so funny. I went through this full thing as a kid where I would go like, man, I kind of wish I was a Knuckles, but I'm not. I'm Tails. <laughs> like, that was genuinely what I used to tell myself as a kid, because Knuckles was like the coolest one. I could hit the hardest, but I was like, nah, I'm Tails, man. I can God, fly. I'm not. No. I couldn't I couldn't pull off that look. Yeah, that was literally, I can't do, I don't, I don't look good in red. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Orange is my color. <laughs> I think like, I mean, God, I don't know enough about child psychology, but I think that's like an important step for a kid to like acknowledge which Sonic character they are. Yeah, yeah fully, fully. Uh, for me, I wouldn't imagine myself as any of the specific characters. I'd imagine myself as just another animal person in that world. Oh, wow. So I think we, we've, I think we're separating the Sonic fandom right yeah. now. That I'm, yeah. I'm the one who starts posting like weird OC. Please do not steal. Um, <laughs> but Jeremy, like, which that, animal were you? I think I wanted to be a hedgehog because I used to okay. also read. It was either a hedgehog or a rabbit. There was there was a comic. I don't. I think it kind of got published a little bit in the U.S., but it was mm-hmm. primarily a U.K. comic called Sonic the Comic. And there's the Archie a comics, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. This is different from this, the Archie comics. Oh, it's, shit. Okay. This is like, they have a character named like, there's a dude named Porker Lewis, who's like a pig. <laughs> there was a there was a rabbit named Johnny Lightfoot. Mm-hmm. There was a squirrel named Shorty the Cybernick, who got permanently encased in like cybernetic armor and was like this really dark character. Oh, wow. Who, uh, it was like, it was really different, but it's it, I think it was primarily UK based. And I think oh. I really, really liked Johnny Lightfoot. And then I also, also in that one, Supersonic is like full on the Hulk. It's not like when Sonic gets exposed to the energy, he goes like berserk and turns into Supersonic and starts destroying everything. And then they get separated and they're trying to like fight Supersonic because he's this horrible monster. 
Uh, so I think I thought of myself depending on how I was feeling, either as a rabbit person or as a hedgehog. <laughs> you were just the person being like, snap out of it, Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, Sonic can't stop supersonic today. Guess it's going to have to be me. <laughs> uh, whereas, whereas me and Koba are like, we'll do whatever we can to help you. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, guess it's got to be Harami, the rabbit. <laughs> yeah. We'll help you out, Harami. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's very cool to know that that's where the like Porker Lewis character comes from, because like we read um, this adventure game book for 8-Bit Book Club forever ago. It was like this like choose your own adventure book with Sonic characters and uh, Porker Lewis and Johnny Lightfoot are in that. And we're like, who are these characters? We've never heard of these. So I guess it's using uh, the UK comics canon uh, for those characters. Uh, I love it. It's fun to know that there's this like entire other like secret sonic canon that i only know a little bit about yeah um, where apparently uh you are a rabbit <laughs> exactly i had i didn't even know there was a uh i hadn't listened to that i have to listen to that episode of 8-bit book club now that's like that's legitimately really cool we do this series called metal city which is this like adventure game book uh where you have to like it's it's an rpg kind of where you have to like roll stats for sonic at the beginning um, and then like you have uh, like choices you can make, but you can only do some choices if you have a high enough stat. Um, and it is a nightmare. It is so hard <laughs> because it's a book uh, written for children. So it's not like airtight. It does not have the Wizards <laughs> of the Coast seal of approval on it. Um, so you will just like find yourself repeatedly like getting trapped in a jail by Robotnik or like drowning in hot lava. And it's just like, it's pretty gruesome too, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah, what do you think about that? What do you boil down to it? Like drowning in hot lava is an awful way to die. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause like <laughs> for whatever reason, you're lasting long enough that your body isn't burning up. Mm. Like the, the magma is entering your lungs, mm. uh, and asphyxiating oh. you mm. before you even have a chance to burn. Um, I guess maybe Sonic like uh, like had an extra ring or something, so is like yeah. his mm. he's lasting longer, uh, long <laughs> enough for like the magma to enter his lungs. Um, yeah, and this is all in the book. This is all in there. They they go into graphic detail about <laughs> graphic <laughs> graphic detail. Carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at Carmax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. (laughs) You see your fur catch on fire every little bit. Oh, man. (laughs) I shouldn't have grabbed those rings. I wish I could die more quickly. The ring pops out, but he lands on top of it, and it's trapped in between him and the lava, and he's like, oh, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) The worst case scenario. (laughs) I must have rolled a one. Um, (laughs) Oh, that is actually amazing. Um, 
We would be remiss on this show. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but obviously one of the main topics we talk about a lot on the show is uh, diversity and inclusion. And I wanted to talk to you again. I just thought it'd be really awesome to get a, a bit of a unique um, point of view, as we've had a lot of like sort of TTRPG and D and D based people on the show. But to actually talk about uh, your experience within arts as well, because it's all a part of the you know the pop culture world. I think it all feeds into the same pot, if you will. Um, you know, uh, they're all they all influence each other. So, just like how have you found? Because um, obviously, I guess you do a lot of uh, you know when you're drawing animated you know cartoons and things, you have people with green skin and you have people with. So, I'd be interested to know how like race coding and things like that plays a part in when you're developing a show, um, or does it not? Sure, because you know? because you have green characters, so you sort of it's less of a binary. Uh, you know, this is this and this is that sort of thing. Um, so I can, I can speak a little bit to this, but I can't like speak with like full authority. Um, cause I was just like a, a board artist specifically on, on big city greens. But, you know, as I mentioned with like DMing and playing D and D it's all, I, I, I kind of treat it like I'm just trying to soak up as much knowledge as I can and, and expand, uh, as best to my ability. Mm. Um, like, like, uh, the, you know, like an inclusive SpongeBob is how I picture myself. <laughs> inclusive SpongeBob. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I specifically remember, um, I can tell a little story about, um, when I was working on big city greens, it was something that like has stuck with me a little bit was that, um, I went into, um, the showrunner, uh, Chris and Shane's office one day, uh, cause I was talking with him about a story and, uh, I noticed that, uh, Chris had like a little post-it note, um, on his desk and it, it feels stupid to even have to have a post-it note, but it's like the sort of thing where like people like me, especially, I think just need to like constantly drill it into themselves. Mm. Uh, and it was just like a note that was just like, Hey, remember like when you're doing a crowd shot 50 50 make sure that it is like equal women and men in the crowd mm. like make sure that everything is like equal and inclusive at every moment like double check just kind of go back through and like make sure that you're not excluding anyone um when you have the opportunity to do that mm. and um yeah it's just like i don't know I, I think that it's something that a lot of people in animation do and it's like very easy like when you are drawing on a deadline to like let your biases take over so um it's something and again i will just re i will reiterate that i'm not perfect in this regard at all and like still learning and working on it but like yeah that that note struck me and it was like something i tried to internalize was just, just like do another pass always if you have time mm -hmm. make time do another pass to just try and and be inclusive in that way um and i guess big city greens is interesting because we do have like a a colorful cast of characters, but there is definitely like, it's, it's weird. And it's not like perfect because like there's characters who are just like straight up black, like, uh, Remy, uh, mm. cricket's friend in the show is just like, yeah, like he's black. And I think that was like a conscious choice to be like, everyone's colorful, but like, we understand that it's important to have like actual characters who are like, you know, yeah, <laughs> coded coded as, black, yeah. not even coded, just like straight up, you know, like this is a black character. <laughs> and I think that's important. Um, but yeah, I think like it, it was something that we thought about. Uh, and it's something that I think like, animation is definitely getting better about but like that's that's my personal experience with it and uh, i can't i can't speak too much more to like the industry at large but that was just um just a little anecdote that stuck with yeah, me. Yeah, I, re I really like that, actually, because I think that, um, and, and it, it, again, it loops back perfectly to D&D, &D, that when you are in a place of, uh, like, hitting a deadline or moving mm -hmm. uh, moving quickly through something or making something, uh, something up on the fly, it is super easy to let those biases take over. Uh, and it is super easy to then, like, look back and be like, mm, yeah, that probably wasn't the best choice. And I think mm -hmm. that at the moment when you're, and I think when whether you're doing anything creative, I think... 
there's a certain level of responsibility that you have to people to be as, you know, unbiased as possible, to try and make that work as accessible to everyone as possible. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's very, it's, I, I really like that that point of like, yeah, you do have to identify your bias. And I think identifying that you have bias, you know, like it, it feels a bit icky to kind of admit, mm-hmm. but like definitely, yeah. like I know for a fact that most of the NPCs in my campaigns are generally female, like or at least all the ones in power and i've just that is something that is definitely a bias i've just conjured like i've just decided at some point in my life that like you know and it's probably an influence of like having two mums and so i'm like oh yeah all the all the women are the ones in power that's great um but i'm also like okay i could probably like add some you know nuance to this i could probably <laughs> do you know what i mean the mayor I could, could be a guy yeah like so yeah someone that, that, you hear that kids yeah you could be a mayor one day if you want uh little, little white man no and like it's just it's just um you know it's just quite funny i think to to uh, and it's like you know, like you said, like it's a it's a difficult thing, and I think that you you nailed it there. And like, you should never feel bad for acknowledging your biases. I think mm. that like yeah. it's ba- it's only bad if you acknowledge your biases and then don't don't actively try and you know maneuver within them. Yeah. You know that's where mm-hmm. it becomes bad for me. But I don't like for me having that post-it note on the desk like a hundred percent. Like yeah, of course you should. Um, so yeah, Definitely. I really like that. I really like that man. That's a that's a uh, awesome point. On that topic, uh, in in a game that I'm running, it's like set in like a huge metropolitan city. Uh, for s- much the same reason as you, Caldwell, I had not picked the races for some of the NPCs who were going to show up. And I was like, you know what? Why don't like we? They were like, "What race is this person?" I was like, "Why don't you decide? Roll me a die, and we'll decide like which one." On I would just pull up a list, and the players enjoyed it so much that we've I've made a full color coded chart, and now like every time a new NPC comes up, if there's no reason for me to have like assigned them a specific race, I'll I'll ask the players like, "Hey, somebody roll me a quick D10 and a D4, and we'll." figure out what rate and it's it's completely like circum it's completely uh gotten rid of any biases i've gotten i've had in terms of like oh they all have to be elves and dwarves uh now it's <laughs> yeah. like oh yeah okay there's a loxodon cool i'm joining yeah, this yeah. <laughs> there's always that part of your brain right that's still addled by jrr tolkien where any new npc <laughs> yeah. like, dwarf no elf no no human no uh, something else just come on <laughs> think of the drow damn it that's not really what i was going for like, <laughs> i feel like you really want to circumvent that now <laughs> yeah yeah and like players love that shit Mm. that is that is player food is what that is Mm. is when you give them like just like even more agency over the world it's like a little treat from daddy and i think they all really enjoy it um is getting to like you know make make the story theirs as well so that that's great yeah and it's it's no fun when the dm is like no this must be an elf you see for the conflict (laughs) has existed for centuries (laughs) now i shall give you some lore (laughs) uh I do want to uh, really quickly shout out, if I can, yeah. um, my old board partner uh, on Big City Greens, uh, Kiana, uh, Kiana Consmith. Uh, you can find her online uh, at Kiana My Art, um, M-A-I. Uh, she is incredible. And like, I think a lot of the, you know, again, like talking about just like learning and growing, like she helped me out a, a ton um, when we were working on the show together. There's a specific moment that I always think back to where we were like coming up with um a like rival character for the mom on the show. Um, and in the, the outline it was written, um, as like a, a male character called skids. It was like this like biker guy. Uh, and then Kiana like turned to me while we were like, uh, sketching up stuff for the episode and was like, 
what if this was like a cool lady? Uh, and it was just like one of those great moments where it's just like, this yeah, should cool be lady. a cool yeah. lady. Yeah. yeah. Like cool lady, cool lady villain. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Why did we not see this before? Like, and then just it kind of clicked into place. Uh, and I don't know. It, it's it's one. It was one of those like great early moments where I was like examining a bias, and Kiana was very helpful for that. So Amazing. shout out to her. She rules. Her art is awesome. We'll we'll make uh, Kiana our friend of a took. That's uh, that's awesome. We like to, yeah. to shout out people Yo, in the community right. and, uh, if they do good work. So yeah, friend of a took. And we'll put maybe we'll put a link to their um uh, their like socials or something in the in the description for you, so you can easily Hell find yeah. them. I think that would be that would be great. Uh, that Thanks for that, man. Yeah, if you like animation and Pokemon, uh, it's a good follow for I, you. Uh, I'm a big rolls. fan, and I've just watched the uh, new trailer for Pokemon Legacy, I think it's called, and I'm already thinking about buying a Switch now because of it. So. What's Pokemon mm-hmm. Legacy? Oh, it's like a full open-world RPG Pokemon. It's they finally it? doing it. They're finally they doing it, it man. <laughs> They're finally <laughs> they doing it. it. <laughs> Jeremy's mind is being blown currently. <laughs> it's Whoa. happening. It's happening. This is, this is momentous. Yeah, it's a very big thing. I was like, I saw it, it was like, Oh my, it's finally here. Because I was a huge, <laughs> I was a huge fan of the GameCube. I can't remember what they're called. They were a GameCube. Coliseum? Yes, I think so. And all the, basically, you, you could only catch like the shadowy Pokemon and yep. make them. Oh, Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness is yeah, what you're yeah, referring yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yes. And so you could only catch these very specific Pokemon. And I remember I was obsessed with this game, but I was just sat there like, why can't I just go out and catch a normal Pokemon? But then it, it had like quite a nice message. It was kind of like, no, no, no. We only kind of indenture servitude upon the ones that have had some sort of like issues. Like the rest of them are it's just like, okay. It's basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically what you're doing is rehabilitation. Like, the rest of them are just okay, like, out there living their life and being happy. It's these bad people right. that are making them shadowy and gross, and so therefore you can cure them and then kind of keep them. Like, it was a weird <laughs> logic, but I was like, I kind of, as a kid, I was like, yeah, I'm doing a good thing. <laughs> did you guys ever read the Pokemon Adventures manga? I don't think I did. I vaguely know of it, but I haven't ever uh, fully read it. But I know that it's it's wild, is what I know. It's really violent. Oh God! Like, really? really? Yeah. Gary's Gary's Charz are not Char. Is it Charmeleon? Fully kills an Arbok, <gasps> chops it in half, just right in half. No. Uh, at one point, <laughs> Gary. Yeah. It, well, they they call them. It's like a it's like a direct adaptation of the games. So it's actually I think blue in this version. Uh, mm. But Red, aka Ash, at one point gets captured by like a bunch of Weeping Bells, Bell Sprouts, and Victory Bells, and like along with a bunch of other small furry Pokemon, and they start to like drain the Pokemon to as a as an evolution ceremony for the Bell Sprouts that they like stick vines what? into. You see all these like Rattata being just drained of their fluids <gasps> as these Bell Sprouts are evolving into Weeping Bells. <laughs> Oh, that energy's got to come from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, in the games, they do the descriptions. They'll talk about Pokemon eating each other, but it's the first time I've ever seen it actually depicted in something. That is something like, I fully Lord. blocked out as a child. If it says that they eat each other anywhere in that po- in that game, I did not notice it. Not once. Yeah. <laughs> that is the first time I've heard of it, and I'm, I'm upset that I've... They try to like clean up their trails a little bit, um, but they definitely still acknowledge it in like the newer games. I think that specifically like uh, in Sword and Shield, maybe you can get like a like slowpoke tail on a stick, but they yeah. like write it off by being like, oh, the tail regenerates. But like, but you can eat it. <laughs> yeah, and in Gold and Silver, a bunch of slowpokes get their tails cut off and a guy tries to sell you some. Yeah. Jeez. And you find the slowpokes just hanging out with their tails missing. 
<laughs> it's true. And I guess like what the worst part about all this is I would eat one. <laughs> I would yeah. absolutely eat one. Yeah. You'd come at me. I'll, I'll, I'll buy one. I want to see what it if tastes like. If what do you it's think good it enough like? for shelter, I'd try it. I feel like it tastes yeah. like marshmallow or something. Like I feel like that's what Slowpoke looks like to me, like a very kind of yeah. gooey sort of consistency. And I feel like Pokemon would think... be different. Like I don't think they'd be like sinewy, you know, and like meaty. No. I feel like they would I be maybe of... be more like an octopus. Like oh, yeah. uh, you know what? Which but octopus is like a savory marshmallow. Yeah. So like I think that <laughs> it, it's <laughs> I think that that is what I, I hope and dream that a Slowpoke tail tastes like. Um and uh, until Nintendo announces that I can eat Slowpoke, uh, I will continue to be their harshest critic. Yep. And so you should be. I remember I, this actually really reminds me of the day I realized that Cubone wears the skull of their mum. I was like, oh yeah. boy. Oh, they were that's, poaching into the games. That's deep. That's so deep. Like I just got over Bambi and then it was like, Cubone, bam. Like, oh God, no. <laughs> Back at it. Back and at it again. It's all of the Cubones. Yeah, <laughs> they, or every single Cubone. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, is it like an energy transfer thing? Is that what's going on there? Did you guys, did you guys hear the theory that Cubone is actually the baby Kangaskhan? Oh, K- Kangaskhans, yeah. Where, I've, yeah. I've seen that, yeah. It's like, because the idea is the Cubone looks kind of like an intermediate form between the baby Kangaskhan mm. and adult Kangaskhan. And it is mentioned mm-hmm. in the, even as far as, gen, as far back as Gen 1 that Kangaskhan are often poached. So like they're yeah. very endangered. So some people, that's like a fan theory that the, the, you, that the baby, that Cubone is essentially a slightly grown up baby Kangaskhan who then, because it takes on the skull of the mom, evolves into a Marowak instead of a Kangaskhan. Yeah. I love like theories that are derived from hidden sprites and like Mm. uh, hacks of like hidden data like that. Yeah. I I love anytime that like, there's like a trove of information. It was like when, um, that like big Nintendo hack happened and they like revealed like the primordial Yoshis, like the secret Yoshis you were never meant to see. Oh, and they just looked like there's, yeah, you got to look it up. There's like a Yoshi that looks like a weird lizard uh, and it, it just is wrong. And it kind of like you look at it and it feels like you've transferred over into another timeline or dimension because you see this wrong Yoshi. Um, and it just like that makes my brain tingle whenever I see something like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's great, especially for a company like Nintendo that's like very good at like keeping their, their secrets. Anytime like mm. a little like trickle of like wrong data comes out, it, it really gets to me. That's amazing. So yeah. That's so amazing. Absolutely. Um, uh, so Caldwell, we always have a thing with our guests where we get them to share a tale from the table. Uh, so a tale Ooh. from the table is something that is super chaotic, uh, crazy, wacky, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I, I could tell by your reaction that you were like, ah, yes, I am ready for this. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, generally the more crazy and chaotic, the better. Uh, and it, it can be something from uh, NADPOD or another sort of like live show, or it can be absolutely something from a home game that maybe no one has uh, known before. Oh, boy. Um, so this is actually great. Uh, for uh, the first time in a while, uh, I did get to DM a home game. Um, my my buddy Ben uh, had a birthday, and I was like, shit, I don't know what to get you for your birthday. Oh, I know. I'll just spend 10 hours prepping something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I did like a little one shot for him and some of our friends for his birthday. Um and uh, it was super fun. It was like my first time DMing since Trinavale, and it was like really good to get back into it. Uh, I had the experience, I'm sure you both have, anytime you like try to prep a, just a little one yeah, shot for your friends. Yeah, yeah. Where like <laughs> about like the second hour of prepping, you're like, 
okay, well, I guess I need to figure out like uh, the cosmology of this world. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we're going to need to like figure out like what the other uh, city states what, are within what this pantheon kingdom. What am I going for? Because I could go with like a more of a traditional Norse pantheon, but then like the, some, of the, some of that Greek pantheon could be really useful for this particular storyline that I might go to if they go to that temple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm fully there. <laughs> yeah. And it's a one shot, but like I should probably build in like a little tease for if they want to do another adventure. <laughs> ah, like a cliffhanger, a little cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So anyway, yeah, that that's that was me. Um, but I, I put together this little like one shot adventure. It was like it was supposed to be really like light and cheesy, where it was like the characters were going uh, on a retreat to like this uh, this mountain weekend. Essentially, they were like looking for like this uh, mythical Airbnb in the mountains, where it was like only for like the most virtuous and brave of heroes. Um, so like they were searching for that. Uh, and I had like set up this little tavern with like lots of like NPCs in it for them to explore and like talk to and like find information about where this cabin is. Um, and they talked to one NPC and then decided we want to get sandwiches. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, cool. Um, so you, you talked to the one park ranger, you got a little information, uh, did not talk to the cobalt that wouldn't give, that would have given you a letter uh, with clues about how to get to the cabin. Ooh. Rad. Cool, cool, cool. So we're going to eat sandwiches. So uh, they like went across the street to this uh, uh, diner called Tootsie's that I made up on the fly. Uh, <laughs> And they were like asking about the specials uh, and they specifically asked like, is there like a special, is there like a, an all you can eat challenge or something like that? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, it's called the hexagonal challenge and you have to eat six Subway sandwiches uh, arranged in a hexagon. Uh, and if you do that, then the, your meal is free. Um, so like the first I think like hour of our session was just them like doing this like all you can eat challenge where uh, I on the fly made up like the rules where you have to eat the sandwich like the DC constitution save starts at 10 uh, and then it goes up by a D4 every time Um, and it actually it turned out to be like an amazing little cohesion game for these players who never played together because like uh, my wife Susanna was playing a a barbarian named Linda um, who like uh, was the one eating the sandwiches because she had like the highest constitution. But then um, Ben was playing a cleric. uh, And when it looked like Linda was about to like fail her con save, uh, he cast bless on her to give her like a little extra constitution. uh, And it like, she managed to uh, be able, she managed to like house the sandwich with no problem. And like, eventually it was six sandwiches. So like the DC got pretty steep uh, and these were like level three characters. So they was like up to like 22 or 23, Oof. which is like doable, but like very barely doable. Yeah, likely, uh, yeah. But like she, <laughs> she managed to get the sandwich down. Um, and so like they had to like this fun little like, interlude where they ate sandwiches uh and then as a reward um tootsie gave them like six magical sandwiches and it was like uh i guess they're just healing potions like i've disguised the sandwiches i don't know Uh, i'll figure it out later uh but then eventually they actually get back on track and like head up the mountain um and they arrive at uh this little like uh valley at the top of the mountain that like connects like a smaller mountain and a higher mountain um and they have this encounter with an owlbear 
and they notice that the owlbear is acting a little strange. It's acting like a little too ferocious uh, and they stop wanting to attack it because they're like, no, something, something's wrong with this owlbear. This isn't like, this isn't normal. It's acting strange. Uh, and of course I was like, it's just a fucking owlbear. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And then eventually they were like, all right, is there anything I can do to like attack it non-lethally? And I was like, it's hungry. It's almost out of life. Mm -hmm. You feed it the sandwiches. (laughs) You notice that the sandwiches have a holy glimmer to them. Uh, And as the owlbear eats the sandwiches, you see radiant light pouring out of them. And then this like blood parasite erupts from the owlbear uh, and the owlbear is saved and like scampers off into the woods so uh, and it turned out like the villain they were facing at the end was this like kind of blood parasite thing uh so it it like turned out to be a great chance to like weave that in a little earlier but what i'm saying i guess is uh always take time for sandwiches always take time for sandwiches (laughs) wow yeah that was amazing next cup in the catacomb jeremy me and ungenagama we're gonna get sandwiches we might need them later we (laughs) might need them later a whole the sandwich (laughs) session it becomes a regular thing at the end of the week we spend a whole session just eating sandwiches Mm-hmm. That. Well, there's a short rest, but then you also need a lunch break. Yes. Like, you need so many different types of breaks built into your yeah. D&D session. But elves only need a 15-minute lunch break as opposed to a half-an-hour lunch break. So, you know, it's one of the another, another optional class feature. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is amazing. Uh, thanks for sharing. So, uh, we, I have something, a little, a little fun thing planned. Ooh. So, I found this clip of Jeremy from episode four of Three Black Halflings. Take a listen. Uh, yeah! Episode four. Shout out to the core four. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, a wow. retroactive shout out to the two crew. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the three Cree. Uh, well, we're gonna try and move on with the episode now, Jeremy. If that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I just, in case anyone who listens to NadPod or is on NadPod ever listens to this, I want them to know that I love their show and them. <laughs> so I thought we could have ourselves a little quiz off of oh. who knows NADPOD better. Um, but what I thought would be really fun is we'll give everyone a little a little sneak preview of this, and then if they want to catch the end and find out who wins, they can head over to our uh, to our Patreon. But um, so uh, this is going to be uh, a little a little game called Luck of the Halflings, or until we get a better name and someone comes up with it. But that's but that's what I come up with so far. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Uh, Don't change a thing. (laughs) And so the idea is, uh, this was a game uh, a brainchild of mine developed because I wanted to actually have a chance of beating Jeremy in a quiz game. He has an encyclopedic (laughs) knowledge of most topics and therefore it makes it very difficult to actually, I can't recall recall things for shit. Like I am terrible. Uh, So I thought, why don't we uh, do as we do on the show and introduce an element of complete chaos and luck. Uh, So... The way the game will work is there is a easy question, which is usually ridiculously easy. Uh, There is a hard question, which is absolutely absurdly hard. And there is a medium question, which is like a good, just like normal standard quiz question. Uh, So you Hmm. get one point for an easy question, two points for a medium question, and three points for a hard question. But here's the thing is you don't know which question you're going to get because you get to randomly pick a door. So uh, you'll be picking a door to decide which question you get. Um, and also, I'm gonna get, I'm, I will be giving out bonus points if someone makes up a, like a guess because they have no idea and it makes me laugh, I'll give you a bonus point because it's chaos and Great. I can do that because I'm the game master or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Jasper, this rules. If you had gone on to explain like five more rules for how this game worked, I would have been 
totally for it. So <laughs> you open the door, and through the door are three orbs, and you must collect the orbs in the correct order to answer the question. How do you already I, know I'm what's in round two? How do you already know? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, did you read my notes? Did you? Re- did I send you my notes by accident? Um, you shared them with me. Uh, I don't know why you did yeah, that. I don't know why I did that either. Damn. Uh, and then for a very few questions, there is also the possibility that I will reduce the point tally by one, and you can have multiple choice if you're really, really stuck. So there you go. Ooh. Say you're a hard three-pointer, maybe I can give you some multiple choice. Who knows? Uh, but yes, Very kind. this is going to be luck of the halfling. As you are our guest, Caldwell, we will not make you roll initiative, but you will get to pick a door first. So, Caldwell Tanner, you enter a dark cave, and before you, you see three pathways extending out before you. Pathway Good one, boy. pathway two, and pathway three. Which one do you pick? Um, I am going to roll uh, a dice to determine which be- which door I take. Do it, do it, do it. Uh, so one or two will be door one. Uh, three or four, door two. Five and six, door three. That's a six. I'll be taking door three. Door three. Okay. Jeremy Cobb, you walk into this tunnel just behind Cole Beltana, who sets off confidently towards door uh, towards, uh, room number three when there's a cave-in. You can no longer go down this path. You have door one and two available. Which door do you pick? Uh, in the spirit of chaos, I will roll a D4. Uh, one to two is door one. Three to four is door two. That's a three. I'm going door two. Okay, here go. we go. I, so I knock on the wall <laughs> to see if Jeremy can hear me. <laughs> Jeremy can hear you. Uh, I, tap, okay. I tap I love you uh, in, in Morse code. <laughs> Just to try and be as encouraging as possible. Back. Right. I tap back. Wow, that's a lot of information to take in right now. Um, maybe we should talk about this some other time. Uh, I tap back. Oh, no, I ruined it. I said it too soon. I'm so sorry. I'm so t- uh, haha, psych. You fell for it. I got you. <laughs> All in Morse code. I tap back dot 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 and just leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, okay, so what we'll do is we will always go, we always start, um, um, we will always go from the easiest question to the hardest question. So starting off, behind door two, Jeremy with the easy question. Uh, now, I should say the uh, category for this particular game of Luck of the Halflings is early NADPod. It's very specifically exactly where I'm up to in NADPod because I didn't want to give myself any spoilers. Um, and plus, I thought it would be fun because, you know, you guys probably, you were in it a while ago, Caldwell, and you listened to it a while ago, Jeremy. So this should be a fun thing. So long ago. Um, so, Jeremy, for one point, what is the name of the town where the band of boobs first met? <sighs> Immediately, like, oh boy. All right. Glade Home. Unfortunately, not. I'll give you another guess. Uh, In fact, this is is the easy question, and there's no rules to this game. So so I'm going to give you a clue. Um, uh, It is. The first part of it shares its name with uh, someone else in the party. It's a good clue. All right. I'm going to say <laughs> Moonville. 
Oh, so close. I'll give you half a point. It's Moonstone. Oh, it's been so long. I, I wish we had gone to Moonville. That sounds great. Moonville Honestly, it sounds great. like a 24-hour diner, and I want to go there. Pitch it pitch it to Murph uh, for campaign two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moonville. We go to Moonville. Um, I order an omelet. <laughs> it's shaped like a moon and contains actual moon dust. Uh, it's the special thing about this restaurant. <laughs> what do I get? What's my reward? Okay, Jeremy, you get half a point. Congratulations. Yay. <laughs> uh, moving on to the medium question, which Caldwell uh, got. Um, what is the name of the shaman that is responsible for sending the animals of Moonstone crazy? And I do, there is a multiple choice available here if you would like it. Oh, oh goodness. All right. I thought you were talking about another shaman, but the one that makes the animals go crazy. It's, it's that uh, orc shaman. It's the orc shaman. They're yeah. sitting on the edge of the pier. Mm-hmm. Mm. You just stealth past, just fully like, ah, just well, past I'm sure that won't be a problem later. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tough one. Oh my gosh. Uh, it, it's a, um, he's like part of the, the crack tooth clan. I'm trying to remember what. What their name was? Uh, gosh, I might need a, I might need a hint. Okay, cool. Here is your three uh, multiple choice options. There is Goresh Hot Axe, Kruk Lightning Sword, or Lund Cold Spear. I believe it's Lund Cold Spear. It is indeed Lund Cold Spear. Congratulations! Yes. I remembered a thing that happened. Yay! <laughs> well done. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you got the most points uh, by half uh, in the first round, Corwell. So, please select a door for uh, question number two. Uh, oh, there's more doors oh, yeah, in it's here? Just, it's just like a, this is just a maze of doors. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, this is the best uh, spelunking tour I've ever been on. Um, <laughs> if you want to find out who won this game of Luck of the Halflings, uh, you can go over to a patreon.com forward slash TV Halflings and subscribe to listen to this and future episodes of Luck of the Halflings, along with a bunch of other goodies. So what are you waiting for? Patreon.com forward slash TV Halflings. But for now... Uh, so thank you so much for playing, guys. That was an absolute blast. Uh, thanks. That was very fun. That was very, that was very fun. Um, so yeah, that is all for this week's episode. I hope that you have enjoyed. And um, uh, thank you so much, Corwell Tanner. Please tell us, where can we find your stuffs on the internets? Oh, of course. Um, well, first and foremost, uh, nadpod.com or Not Another D&D Podcast on uh, your podcast platform of choice. Uh, please listen. It's been great. I will uh, give a quick shout out to um, the crew as well as uh, Lou Wilson, who uh, hey. did a guest role recently on the show while I was away for paternity. Um, and it was just an absolutely fantastic, super funny arc. Amen. Uh, so definitely check that out. We're doing campaign two now, um, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm on Twitter, at uh, Caldi, I guess is the other big thing. Um, and let's see. Uh, and I guess I'll give a shout out to um, uh, Hunter x Hunter, which is an anime I've been watching. So just if you like anime, check that show out. Amazing. <laughs> like, I do actually need like, new anime. So that's, yeah, great. It's very fun. It's a real comfy kind of like, a, it's a comfy good boy show, which is how we've been describing it. <laughs> so it's nice to have some good boy shows. Nice. Uh, but yeah, those are my plugs. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was 
a blast uh, no, um, and also an happy. assault of my memory. So yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. This has been yeah, so no, cool. This has been really, really cool. Um, thank you all of you uh, who are listening and enjoying the show. If you want to find more of us, then you can share us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at TB Halflings. Uh, we have our Patreon, which is uh, patreon.com forward slash TB Halflings. And I don't forget to check out The Cub and the Caterpillar. Uh, which is our actual play show, which we release yeah. twice a month. I think that's everything. Uh, nice. Yeah. Anyway, have a really lovely day, and we'll see you very soon. So long, Shire folk. So long, Shire folk. Farewell. That was a HeadGum Podcast.